working? Amen. Give me one second as I get myself situated. To the person next to you, the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you ain't got nobody in front of you, next to you, look behind you or something. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm excited to be in the house of God today. I'm really, really excited. Um, my, my best friend is in the building, David Andre. I've been missing him. I'm talking to my wife about him. I just thank God he's here. God must have heard my prayers. Somebody say amen. And his awesome wife, Sue. We see you, girl. Amen. I want to talk to you today. Come on, just grab somebody's hand next year. We're going to pray, and we're going to get right into this. I believe God wants to speak to some hearts. Uh, no, anybody need a word from the Lord today? Anybody came expecting? Come on, amen. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come in agreement that your word shall be spoken into our hearts, into our minds, that it should fall on good soil this day, Father. We ask you now, God, that you will have your way in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, in this service Take control, God, that when we leave here, your fingerprints will be all over our faces, God, our hearts and our minds as you mold us and sculpt us today into what you desire for us to be. Come on, let the church say amen. amen. In the past couple of weeks, and I, if you were here on Wednesday, you would have heard me talk very little bit on this topic, but um, in the past couple of weeks, the Lord has really impressed it upon my heart to, to enter into a life of hunger for God. Somebody say hunger for God. If you can give me just a little bit more, Ricky. Uh, God, God really been, has been putting it on my heart. I wake up every day. I wake up every morning. Every, every day I wake up. I go to sleep at night. I think of nothing else than what am I doing to fulfill the God-given destiny I have for my life. Somebody say, I'm hungry for God. And so, not because uh, I want to gain any recognition or fame. As, as Theodore Roosevelt said, I believe, Teddy Roosevelt said, I'm not here to be famous. I'm here to be faithful. I'm not trying to seek any type of acclamations or accolades. I just want God's name to be glorified. Amen. Does that make sense? Some days, ever, ever, I don't know, maybe it's just me that on my Christian walk that sometimes I, I come to a point where I haven't done nothing for God today. And I, I think about it sometimes, am I, am I really walking on my road to destiny or am I just taking a stop? And so today, I want to really impress upon you this scripture, and we're going to look at John the fourth chapter. Turn with me in your Bibles, John the fourth chapter, as God has put this upon my heart to be hungry for him. When God began to speak to me about being hungry, my response to myself was, why am I not hungry for God? Anybody ever thought about that? Why am I not hungry for God? And so I thought to myself, what am I so full of that I have no room for, the, for God? What is my life so encompassed with that I've got no time for God, no craving for God? I recognize something. If I don't crave God, it means I've never tasted God. Because you can only crave for that which you have already tasted. And so I, I say to myself on a daily basis, if I'm not hungry for God today, what have I put inside my spirit that's got me all full? Anybody with me today? Do you crave for God? I do you have that desire for God? As I said, if you don't crave God, I would challenge you that you never really had an experience with God. And so today I want to look at being hungry for God from the angle of why am I not thirsty? And we read in John the fourth chapter, the fourth verse. I'm going to read a larger portion of scripture than I normally read, but I want to get the point across to you. And it says this, speaking of Jesus. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had left to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to the draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I, I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. 
Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank for it from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Somebody say again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of, well, of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that, that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So Jesus has entered into this town outside of Samaria, or rather inside the, 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 the areas of Samaria, a town called Sekar, a better known in the Bible as a town called Shechem. It's about the sixth hour, which is about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And Jesus has come to this place where Jacob, thousands of years prior, had dug a well. And Jesus comes here, and he's tired from his journey. It's about lunchtime, and his, his, his disciples have gone to gather food for him to eat. And here comes this Samaritan woman, this unassuming woman. She came to the well, and she did not know it. But the king of all creation was at that well. She could not see it or understand it then. Sometimes when you see God in your life, you will not understand the shape God comes in. To her, God came as a tired man at a well. He was sitting on this well just relaxing, and he said to her, I thirst. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty. Give me to drink. She could not understand. She really missed the greatest moment of her life right there. The king of all creation. God, the the omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing God. You, you, you don't get this. She had an appointment with destiny. You might have come to church just to come, but, but at that unassuming moment in your life where she went to draw physical water, natural water, she came in contact at a crossroads in her life, and she met the king of kings. She met the, the Lamb of God, the Savior of all of humanity. She, she, at this moment, she was coming in contact with a life-changing experience like many of us have had. And he says to her, one thing, he, he only said it twice in the Bible, I thirst. I thirst. Give me to drink. Give me to drink. And she says to him, I, I am a Samaritan, you are a Jew, we do not associate, what is your problem? Oh, he said, but if you knew who was asking you, if you knew that I was he who, who formed and fashioned the earth with my mouth, if you knew that I was the light of the world, that I was the one and only true word of God, if you knew who I was and I was such a gift, I am not just the, I'm not just petitioning, I am the great petitioner. I am the one who stands before God and gives you recompense. I am he. If you knew who was asking you, you would, you would act different. If you knew who was, oh my God, if you knew what God was asking of you, you would act different. If you could only know the gift who he is, some of us chase God's presence instead of his presence. If, she, if she only she knew, Carlos, he said, if only you knew who was asking you to come to me, I am thirsty. And so he said to her, if you only knew that I was the actual gift and you think you're going to give me a gift of water, I'm the gift. Keep me alive because I will save your life. I'm the gift. I was the one who told Jacob to build this well. 
I told Jacob to go to Laban's house. I told Jacob to do everything. And you're going to talk about your forefather if you knew who you were talking to. Well, sometimes the way we pray, if we only knew who we were talking to. And so the Samaritan woman, very still unassuming, not realizing Jesus is speaking of, of spiritual water, spiritual thirst. And, and she says, you have nothing to draw water from. Meaning you have no bucket, you have nothing. It's amazing. What she was really saying is, is I have a bucket, but you're not drinking from mine. You're a Jew. Racism. See, Samaritans and Jews only intermingle for one thing, and that's business. And this was not business. This was hospitality. And she said, no way. You're not drinking from my bucket. Not going to happen. He said, if only you knew who was talking to you. You see, you, you, you chase this, this, this physical water. But if I have a water that draws deeper than this, deeper than this well. The well is about 100 feet deep. And he said, oh, my water comes deeper than this, and my water is living water. And if you, if you would just take one sip, you would never thirst again in your life. And she says, oh, I want that water. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, think about All of a sudden, she didn't care that he was a Jew bag. All of a sudden, he, he didn't care that he was a Hebrew. She, when, he, when he starts talking about never thirsting again, understand what he's saying here. What he's saying is so powerful. They're in a Middle Eastern country. It's full of deserts. Water is a commodity. Water is treasure to these people. It's highly sought after. And Jesus claims to have a water that shall make no one thirst again. Oh, she wants this water. In the middle of a dry place, this desert, our souls are a dry place. We're in a barren place in this world. We don't belong in this world. Sometimes our spirits are dry and we quench our thirst with so many things but God. Oh, can I go there for a second? Can I just, she, he said, give me to drink the water I shall give him, Jesus said. You shall never thirst. He's referring without a doubt to his teachings. He's referring not to actual spiritual water. He's referring to the word of God. He's referring to the grace teachings. He's referring to the blood that he will shed. He's referring to all of his glory wrapped up in a man. He's referring to himself. The soul by nature is a dry desert. We're a traveler wandering through this desert called the world and, and our thirst for happiness. We, we, we thirst for, anybody thirst for happiness? Anybody thirst, anybody thirst for fulfillment in your life? Somebody say yeah. Anybody thirst to, to have, a, have a joy in your heart? Many of us today have looked in many different directions for fulfillment. We look for many different ways to find happiness. Oh, somebody say Amen. In this place, he says to her, I give you water that you shall never thirst again. You shall never thirst. And immediately, all the racial barriers are thrown to the side. Immediately, she looks at him in a whole different light. Now he's not just asking for water, but now he's offering something that she's never had. And, and she does not care. And she goes, I'll take it. I'll take it. And, he, and, and, so, and she doesn't realize he's speaking of spiritual things. So, so he, gets, he says to her, he says to her something very ironic because, you know, God knows things that you already know too. And so he'll tell you to do stuff that you think that he don't know what he's saying, but he knows. And he said, go get me your husband. And she goes, well, I have no husband. You see. As the Lord spoke to me this week, he, I looked for a scripture to convey how we as Christians, we as individuals, as human beings, we fill our lives with other things rather than God. And so he said to her, you're right. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you live with now is not your husband. What is he saying to her? He's saying you're trying to fulfill your thirst in every capacity but God. You've tried to fulfill your thirst for God, for thirst for that. You don't understand. See, when, it, when talking about a thirst for God, sometimes you don't know what it is because you don't have the experience with God. And so because you have never experienced God, you can't describe your thirst until we fill it with sex. We fill it with drinking. We've looked in many, many different directions. Our soul are thirsty individuals. Nothing meets the desires we have. Nothing, nothing in your life has ever fulfilled you to the point where you never had to do it again. That's why we, we develop addictions, because one time never, never sufficed, and so we keep on drinking. You get what I'm, we see, see, the way of the world is to keep you hungering. We keep on smoking cigarettes. Why not? Keep on. It's a nasty addiction, because you can never get enough. 
You keep on sleeping around because you can't find the right fit for your life. You tried girls, now you're going to try guys. <laughs> Didn't work out with the girl, let me try a guy now. And so we couldn't fulfill our thirst, and the world keeps us wanting. We hear a song, we love it, drives me to sin. And then you, a couple weeks later, a new song comes out, oh, this one's better. We forget about the old one. And then you hear it again, and we say, that was my song. That used to be my joint right there. We are thirsty people. Thirsty, thirsty people. Could you imagine an actor who just made one movie and never made anything else? And you love their acting and you could never watch them again in another film. Could you imagine if Denzel did one film? But it's all the movies. I, I love Denzel Washington. Not on a homosexual level. Just want to throw it out there. On a very, very heterosexual level. I love Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington is an amazing actor. I like to watch him act. I like to watch his movies. And so when I see him, I get a, a level of fulfillment. I see, you might have your favorite shows that you wait for every week because you're so excited about your show that's coming on. I mean, for some of you, it might be Judge Judy. I don't know. But there's a certain level of something that keeps you coming back. For some of you, it's social media. You're addicted to your computers. I know somebody addicted to the internet. But the way of the world is to keep you desiring more. But Jesus said, I have something that will keep you from ever wanting again in your life. You see, the reason we always desire more is because the things of this world can never fulfill you. It can never fulfill you. Jesus declared that you shall never thirst, that you shall be satisfied. He who drinks this will not wish to seek for happiness in other objects. There will be a level of satisfaction in the grace of God. God brings a satisfaction. The woman desires this water. I can only imagine hearing this from Jesus himself. See, we're just hearing this story, reading it like, as if nothing. But could you imagine how he must, have, he must have just really excited her heart? The words that came from his mouth must have really set a blaze of, uh, uh, of, of just in curiosity in her. And he must have excited her to the point of just, what do I must do to get this water? And so then he goes from pointing out, that he can give her water, that she'll never thirst again, to going now and saying, hey, listen, hey, listen, go get me your husband. At this point, he's trying to point out to her, I'm not talking about natural water. I'm talking about a spiritual thing. And he begins to reveal to her the sins of her life. The sins of her life. Truth be told, I doubt she really had five husbands. I think more what he meant was not the word husbands, but you've had five partners. For in those days, a woman would not marry and divorce. Marry and divorce, that, that would be against their cultural way. I doubt five husbands of hers died. I think what he was trying to say is when a man and a woman sleep together, they become one. And so you have, you have five husbands. Some of you girls out here single. Some of you boys out here single. When you sleep with somebody, you become one. Y'all heard it before. That's why you ain't single. Got somebody attached to your heart. I'm just leave it alone for today. Conviction just swept the room in. <laughs> You ain't saying, I'm just kidding. I'm about to go, we need to bind them on y'all. My, my point is this. He pointed out to her her sins. He pointed out to her what she had been using to fill the thirst. The woman had been in a dry place in her life. Is there anyone here who can say, you know, Pastor, I've been in this dry place in my life. I've tried fulfilling my thirst in any which way I could. I tried drinking, but it only kept me coming back. I tried smoking. I tried relationships. I tried the sex. I tried pornography. I tried friendships. Nothing seems to work. I, I tried spending all my money. That didn't work out either. We go shopping like crazy. We have all these types of addictions because we can never, ever get enough. But Jesus said, you are thirsty and you are thirsty for me. And if you would just allow me. 
that thirst and that void in your life is in the shape of God and we can never fulfill it. Some of us might say, I tried suicide. I tried pills. I tried anything that would try to take away this pain, this thirst for what I could not describe. And yet all you're trying to say is I'm thirsting for God. I'm thirsting for God in my life. This woman had been in many relationships seeking fulfillment in the arms of many men. But yet she still was thirsty and she still was going to the well. And Jesus said, listen, you're coming to the wrong well. For if you would draw from me, I would, I would give you eternal life. Many here today have, have forsaken the way of God. Many here, many here today have forsaken God. The Samaritan woman was speaking with this, with the creator of all the universe. If she would have just have known that she was talking to this almighty God, this almighty, just huge, momentous, massive God at an unassuming well, I would challenge you that she would have thought differently. And so he says, if you would draw from me, if you would draw from me, somebody look to your neighbor and say, draw from God. Many here today have forsaken the living water of God. Even as Christians on a weekly basis, how many of you would say on a weekly basis, we fall short of the well of God? This scripture is depicted in Jeremiah 2, the 13th chapter. It says this, or rather Jeremiah 2, verses uh, 1 and 3. I'll read it first. This is God speaking to, to Jeremiah through Jeremiah to Israel. And he says this, I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me. You followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. Man, God is speaking here to his people in a very, very eloquent passage in the book of Jeremiah. And he's saying, don't you remember when you first came to me as a Christian? And you love God with all your heart. Nothing was better than God. I remember those first Christian days. You thought you could do everything. All the, the little gas in your tank lasted a little longer. And you said, oh, it was God. You found $10 in your pocket that you had washed in your jeans. And oh, it was God. Your headache went away. And God healed me. Stubbed your big toe. And you just laid all types of oil on it. God, take care of me. He says, do you remember those younger days when you loved me with all your heart? When I was your everything and you needed nothing else, the days that you actually stayed up late, not watching TV, but praying on your knees. The days you stayed up, you stayed up late at night. You weren't out there partying. You were, you were seeking more of God. The days when you would read your word, you would read your Bible day in, day night. He goes, do you remember those days when you followed me through a desert meeting? You followed me through a dry place in your life and you let me take care of you. There was no vegetation there, but yet I still fed you. There was nothing there, but yet I took care of you. Oh, but in verse 13, he says this, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have done their, dug rather their own cisterns, meaning their own wells they have dug. Man, he says we've left his living water. How many of you can say on a weekly basis, man, I leave God's living water? Through the way I talk the way I act, or who I hang around with, where I go, I forsake God's living water. I believe in this scripture, Jeremiah reflects many of us today how we leave God's wells for the wells of the world. He said, you dig wells that can't even hold water. What is he saying? The things that you put into your life on a daily basis can do nothing for you. Can do nothing. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this today. Oh, I read a scripture that said, blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, for he is blessed. Meaning if, if any secular type of, 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 of advice is not of God, he says, blessed are you if you do not live by it. If you just live by the godly counsel. Oh, man, I couldn't, I couldn't help but think about all the talk shows, all the self-helps, all the doctor this and doctor that, and oh, Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil and Miss Oprah and, and all these talk shows. And I, I went even flashed back to Jenny Jones. <laughs> Ricky Lee, I was all oh, man. These people sitting there trying to, if you, blessed are those who do not sit in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed are those. Oh, you got all types of mess in your life. You are not living blessed. He said, we've forsaken his well. When's the last time you had a problem? You just opened the Bible and said, God, give me an answer. No, we turn to our friends. We turn to opinion. We try to get enough opinion to, to get a general and see what the, what the, you know, the medium is. If five people say the same thing, that's where you're going to go. Blessed are those who don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. 
We try every way possible. We live life to have fun. There is no life in what we build unless we build it with God. If you're not thirsty for God, what has got you so full that you have no space for God? The Samaritan woman was thirsty her entire life and never once was successful at quenching that thirst for some things only God can do. Is there anybody today who would say, not because it's what's popular, not because you're supposed to say, but somebody today would say, you know, Pastor, I have a thirst for God. Not because I'm preaching about it, not because tomorrow you might forget about this, but I mean you have a real thirst for God, a real hunger, a deep-seated hunger for God. John 6, 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. You must hunger for God. You must hunger for God. Your craving for God is based in your experience of God. Meaning as much as you take, I told the church on Wednesday, maybe, you, maybe somebody can help me out here. I don't know if it's just me, but I have an addiction. I need to go to AA, but not for alcohol. I mean, you go to H.A., Hibachi Anonymous. I fight my urge every week, and I, I blame my cousins, Yvette. I have an ungodly addiction to Japanese food. Anybody with me? Yvette, Yvonne, Veronica, just believe. <laughs> I have an ungodly addiction to a place called Kobe's. I believe Kobe's is not of God, for it taketh my money. I, I love the experience of a good hibachi restaurant. Somebody, anybody love the experience of a good restaurant? Ain't nothing like treating yourself to a nice, well-deserved meal. I'm not talking about dollar menu stuff. I'm not talking about American steakhouse that is not cuisine. If you like American steakhouse, we're going to pray for you after service in a whole separate. Got some people guilty just. It's great. I don't get it, Pastor. It's great. American Steakhouse does it for me. <laughs> Remember those stupid commercials? America loves American Steakhouse. I'm like, why? Why? It's nasty. Y'all remember that, right? Flashback. I just made most of y'all feel old. But I have this, honestly, all jokes aside, I have this addiction. Man, I love hibachi food. I think about it every week. And I tell my bank account, no. No. But I like it because of the experience. They sit you down. Japanese people, they're very, very the Asians in general, they're very hospitable. They come and just fill your water up every, every five seconds. Remember when I was a little kid, I went to a, to a, a sit-down Chinese restaurant with my father. And I was with my brothers and sisters. And a um, Chinese guy came over and poured out my water. Yeah, so I, I, I drank it. He came back and filled it again. I was like, I was like, maybe like 10. Drank it again. He comes and he fills it again. So you know what I I, I drank it again. And he came back and filled it again. And this went on a lot. Finally, I looked at my dad crying, tears in my eyes. I don't want no more water. He said, then don't drink it. I was like, Oh. I remember, I remember me and my brother went there once in the same place, and we petted our food. I have memories of this place, and, and we had watched a, a Three Stooges where they had pet the food, and there was, there was dogs fighting under the table. And so me and my brother are barking at our food. We're in the middle of a Chinese restaurant. People everywhere. Arr, arr, we got beat that night. But I had an experience with Asian food, and so when I tried out the hibachi place, they, they played all the tricks, and the little guy came in with the little fireman, fireman, you know. I, I can tell them what they're going to do, volcano, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like it? You know, and then you want sake, 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 sake. <laughs> Ruben didn't know what sake was. <laughs> At a church gathering. Anybody remember that? <laughs> Ruben and Miguel didn't know what sake was, and they just <laughs> took all the church out, all the leadership of the church out, and sake would be like, yeah, why not? Ah. <laughs> they throw food in your mouth. I love the experience. They make big fire. I love bringing my sister Diana. She's going to scream no matter what. Ah! At the fire part. She knows it's coming. She's going to scream every time. And I don't know why I scream with her. Ah! <laughs> 
really do. It's just we have fun. It's fun. It's just, it's just a great time. My favorite one was Japanese egg roll. He just took the egg and started rolling it. Picked it up, Japanese egg roll. I just like I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And the food is amazing. And, and my, my craving for that food is based on my experience. And so my craving for God is based on the experience I have with God. If you have a little bit of experience with God, you will crave him very little. You can go a whole day and not read the Bible. You can go a whole day without praying. I'm not talking about that, oh, um, thank you, Lord, for waking me up. Bless me and everything I do. Amen. I'm talking about just really sit-down prayer. You just get down. I'm not talking about that five-minute Mickey Mouse prayer. I'm talking about spending some quality time with the master. Uh, you, can, you can go weeks without coming to church because you don't crave God the way you should. Because your experience with God, I don't know if you're getting this today. Your experience with God is very minute, and so your craving for him could not be greater than what you've experienced. I've never sat down and said, I crave something I don't eat. When was the last time you did that? I mean, I'm, I'm never. I've never sat down and said, I'm craving this, and I've never even had that. Your cravings come from your experience, and so when I crave and I hunger for God, it all comes from my experience with God. I desire God. I don't mean just wanting him because you know that it's supposed to be like that. Uh, maybe because the pastor's talking about desiring God. I'm going to say I desire. I mean, I really, truly, with all my heart, I don't know if anybody knows what I mean. I desire God. I desire. I love my church. My experience with my church is great. I come here all the time, not because I want to, but because I, I, I love it. I desire to see God move here. Anybody with me there? I desire to see God move. We serve this amazing God, this truly massive God. His presence is so amazing, and yet we don't realize that it's missing in our lives. You know, I, I would tell you today that if you don't hunger for God, I'd be really scared for, for part of dying is losing, a, losing your appetite. And so if the, if the hunger, the appetite for God is gone, then your spiritual life is, is very dead. And so I, I would challenge you that, that we need to understand God. I don't know how to explain it to you, but that it makes sense or heads or tails to you, but I, that you can comprehend it. I don't know how to tell you of what, I'm, what, what a hunger I have for God. You cannot accomplish the extraordinary things you desire to do acting as an ordinary Christian. It cannot be done. You cannot accomplish amazing things acting very normal. You cannot be satisfied with having potential and never putting it to purpose. You can never live up to your potential by surrounding yourself with people who are okay with not going the whole way for God. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot be satisfied surrounding to yourself with Christians who are compromisers. Christians who don't mind drinking, don't mind going out. You cannot be accomplished and successful and full of potential in God's eyes and having a purpose in your life, living, uh, living around people who don't really love the God that you love. You draw yourself away from God by surrounding yourself with people who don't respect the God in you. To you single adults, for, for any young ladies, any guy who's willing to sleep with you does not respect God in you. Does not respect the plan of God for your life. You've got to understand, you need to surround yourself with people who will build you up. We want to read books about what God did in somebody else rather than have your own experience with God. God is not calling you to clone anything but to birth something new inside of you. God has not called you to, to he's not called you to, to, to sit there and, and re, re, you know, try and repeat what somebody else has done. It's great. Read all the books you want, but I'm telling you, God wants you to have an experience. God wants you to be the person who has an eye-opening experience. We've grown too accustomed to seeing what others do and we try to duplicate it into our lives. We, we love, the Christians love tradition. Tradition just celebrates where God has been, not where he's going. Don't you want something new from God? I think about it all the time. What is so important that this enormous, all-powerful God who holds my eternity in his hands gets no attention. Don't you realize he's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the beginning of the end. He's your Jehovah Jireh, he's your provider. He's your everything. He's your, he's your strength in a moment of weakness. He's, he's, he, he literally formed the entire 
universe and he put the entire galaxy into motion with his mere voice and this is the God that you are too busy to give him any time in your life. You're too, too occupied. Too many things going on in your life. You know, God only sent his son. The Bible says in John 3.16, God sent his only begotten son that any would believe in him. They would not perish, have everlasting life. And I was praying and God told me this thought. He said, all I sent was my son because my son was my word wrapped in flesh. All he sent me to save my life was his word. But yet we as people cannot keep our word to save our life. How many of you have promised God what you would do for him at an altar call? Oh, God, I'm going to be faithful. God, I'm going to turn my life around. God, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to go to the ends of the world for you, God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And yet we don't keep our word to God. I wish you would just be honest with yourself today. We must seek God with all of our heart. God said we will seek him and we'll find him when we seek him with all of our heart. Words are the commodity of heaven. Words are the currency of heaven. Words are the currency of heaven. When God went to redeem your life, he did not send a pot of gold. He sent his word. He did not send a pot of silver. He did not send rubies and diamonds. He did not send cattle and cows. He did not send a nice Louis Vuitton bag. He did not think what you think is worth anything. He sent his word to redeem you. Word is the currency of heaven, and so why don't we keep ours? The Bible says heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. God says that you'll forgive you for all your sins, but when you die, he'll hold you accountable for every word you spoke. Words are the currency of heaven. It's the thing that God exchanges back and forth for value. And when he came to redeem your life, he sent his word. That might be really deep for some of y'all. Y'all might not get that for another five years. But all God asks for is your word. My father told me when I was younger, he said, I remember a day and time when your word was good enough. and You didn't need a, a contract and a lawyer. It was your word and a handshake, and that was good enough. But nowadays, men are liars, and they speak with twisted, deceitful tongues. And God, God, God says, I just keep your word to me. The Samaritan woman, she came into this well not knowing what would happen, but she met God at a place where she thought she would find human fulfillment. God gave her spiritual fulfillment. Matthew, the fifth chapter, the sixth verse. Come on, stand with me. Matthew 5, chapter 6, or actually chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I, maybe, maybe, maybe that's over you. Anybody want to live a blessed life? Come on, is that anybody you want to live a blessed life? You're tired of struggling? Anybody tired of just be, always being sad? Tired of always having an empty bank account? Tired of always just never finding fulfillment? always having broken promises tired of always struggling at work anybody blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they will be filled blessed you want to live a blessed life blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness come on every head bowed every eye closed Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats and drinks of me will never be hungry, never be thirsty again. You know, I don't want to spend much time on this, but I want to ask you a very simple question in your life. Is anybody here who says, you know, Pastor, come on, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, just saying, you know, Pastor, I understand what you mean. I understand what you're talking about. I find myself thirsty in my heart, thirsty in my mind, thirsty in my spirit. And I've been trying to fill it with so many things, and yet all that I need is God. Come on, all that I need is God. And I've been trying to fill it with so many things but God. But yet, I want to fill it today with God. I've tried so many things. The list is too long to go into. But pastor, I've tried everything. 
and I'm still hungry, I'm still thirsty, I'm still unfulfilled, I am not happy, I am miserable, I've tried everything and I want to try God today. I don't want to hunger no more. I don't want to thirst no more the way I am. Come on. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, just lift your hand as high as you can. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lift your hand as high as you can. You're saying, Pastor, I've tried everything, but I, I haven't truly tried God the way I should. Come on. There's hands up all over this room. Come on. If you got your hand up, make your way to the front. I want my prayer team just to touch and agree with you right now. Oh, come on. We want to just touch and agree with you. We want to pray with you. We know that God can change the circumstance in your life. Oh, come on, look how the altar is filling up. Church, you are not alone, people. You are not alone. You are not alone. I've tried everything, but today I want to try God. I want to try God. Come on. I praise the worship team. Come on, help them out. Pray with people. Come on, a touch and agree. I've tried everything, but I haven't. I haven't tried God. Come on, maybe you're still in your seat. I would challenge you. This is your day. This is your time. This is your well experience, your moment to say, you know, God, I, I want to try it once and for all. I want to try it, God. I'm tired of being miserable. I'm tired of being unhappy, God. I want freedom, and I want it now, God. Father God, speak to each and every person right now. Speak to every person right now, Holy Spirit. Speak to every person, Father God. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come on, there's still room. There's still room at the altar. If you're in your seat, come on. Does anybody else say, I want to get closer. I'm thirsty. I'm tired of this. I can't do this no more. Just draw us closer right now, Father God. God, I'm tired. I'm tired, God.
Come on, just draw us closer tonight, Father God. Right here, right now. Come on, if I can ask you all across the sanctuary, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Come on, if you love God, just lift your hands and tell him, God, draw me closer, God. Draw me in, God. Come on, maybe you couldn't make it to the altar. Maybe you're too, you're too, you have too much going on. Just, I don't want to go up there right now, Pastor. But just raise your hand and say, God, God, I want to be drawn closer to you right now. Come on, if that's your prayer, tell him. Just lift your hands. Come on, if you're hungry, I want to talk to those who are hungry for God. You are not satisfied. You want more. You can't take another day with this the same situations in your home, in your household. They say, God, I need a breakthrough. I need to move right now in your spirit, God. I want to be closer, God. I want to be closer. Come on, lift your hands as high as you can. Don't be ashamed. No, don't be ashamed of God. Tell him, I want to draw closer, God. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty, God. I'm hungry, God. Just draw us closer, God. Come on, right now, just tell him, draw me Every head bowed and every eye closed. God wants to do some amazing things in your heart and in your life. God wants to do some amazing things. Come on, just bow your heads and close your eyes as we reverence God's presence. Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Spirit of God told me this in people. couldn't make it to the front but everything in you cried out that you wanted to be there you were tired of your situation at home 
You're tired of feeling the way you feel. You're tired of going through the motions of life. You're tired of waiting for God. It seems like he never comes and you couldn't make it to the altar. But God says he sees everything you're going through. He, he, works, he can work in every situation if you allow him to. If you would open up the door, God would take away your addiction. God would take away your hurt, your pain. And he would make you someone completely new. If you would allow him to. God, we know you're in the midst of us right now for we're two or three are gathered in your name. There shall you be. Father, I know that you have a purpose and a plan. God, you want us to thirst and to hunger for you, God, that we would not fill it with earthly things, God, but that we would fill our thirst and our hunger with spiritual things. For blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for you, God. Speak to us, God. Speak to us now, Father. Liberate our hearts, God. That we would not seek the things of this world for fulfillment, God. But that, God, we would look to you for all things. For all things, God. Holy Spirit, work in our midst anew. Work in our, in our, in our lives, God. Father, bring strength where there is weakness. Bring hope where there is hopelessness, God. Yes, Lord. Oh, God, bring faith where faith is failing, God. Bring wisdom to those who are in tough situations, God. Lord, your word says that in my, in my weakness, your strength is made perfect. Oh, church, I find joy knowing that it's me who makes God perfect in my weakness. His strength is perfected in me. No matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, you are not alone in God. God sees. God, bring to resolution our hearts, issues, Father. Whatever we're facing, God, we ask you to bring resolutions now, God. That we would not thirst for the things of this world, God, but we thirst for you. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for God. I'm hungry for more of God. Come on, tell somebody next year, I'm hungry for God. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with what God is working already in my life. And I want more. I want more of God. Come on, anybody here want more of God? Come on, as you move forward throughout your week, I would challenge you to hunger and thirst for God. Not just in thoughts, but in actions, in what you do and what you say. Come on, look to somebody next to you and just say, God's going to work something new in me.